We're glad that you're here. We hope that once you leave today, you can say it's been good to be here. And look at the kids. Hello. Definitely thankful that you're here. And thankful that we're able to come together this morning to worship God. And to give Him all the glory. Appreciate uh, Steve Leeson singing and appreciate Jerry's prayer. And then Adam did an excellent job at the Lord's table. And if you have your Bibles, let me, let me encourage you to go to Hebrews chapter 12. Um, Hebrews chapter 12. That was our scripture reading this morning that, that Caleb read for us after the announcements. Hebrews chapter 12. How many of you are competitive? Anybody in Jason agreeing? You're not competitive, are you? I think most all of us, to some degree, are very competitive. We we want to win, and you know, as you're growing up, your your coaches try to teach you to to take a loss, you know, to to be humble and to accept a loss, and sometimes that's going to happen. I never was good at losing. I don't like to lose. I like to win. Now I do understand if you if you lose, you need to be kind. You need to be respectful. But this morning, I want us to talk about this race that I don't want you to lose. I don't want to lose, and I pray that you don't lose. When you look at Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 1, where he says, the Hebrew writer, Wherefore, seeing we are also encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, and let us run... um, and let's lay aside the, every way in the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. What's he saying? Lay aside anything that's holding you back. When you go back to the first century, you had the Grecian games or the Greek games. They would come together and, and they would run. And probably everybody here at some point in your life has been in, uh, involved in a race on foot. Well, they would lay aside everything that they possibly could, even to the point that sometimes they ran and they had no clothes on. The, 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 being, the, the reason being they thought it was holding them back. So they would lay aside everything that they had to run this race, physical race. But today we're not talking about a physical race. Today I want to talk about this spiritual race that if someone who's, who wants to be a Christian, someone who wants to go to heaven, you've got to be involved in the race. And I realize that there's a lot of people who have never started their race, and we're going to talk about that a little bit in a moment. But there is a race that's set before all of us. And let me say this, you can have a lot of people that will help you, You can have people that will encourage you. You've got to have people that that will be there for you every step of the way. But at the end of the day, you are the one who has to run your race. Your parents can't do it for you. Your kids can't do it for you. You have to run your race. And as Paul, I'm sorry, the Hebrew writer here says, run your race with patience. That's endurance. That means that you don't quit, that you don't stop, that you don't give up. You don't let things of this world keep you back from doing what you're supposed to do. So many times if we're not careful, we allow things of this world to weigh us down. The Hebrew Christians, their problem was they had trouble with unbelief. 
And he's saying, lay that aside, get, get that away from you, and you run with patience the race that is set before you. Jesus called this race, or the reward rather, for this race in Revelation 2 and verse 10, He called it the crown of life. You see, everybody that runs this race gets a prize if you finish the race. Now, when I was growing up, and it's still the same, uh, when, you, when you are in a race contest, if you win, you get the prize. If you don't win, you don't get the prize. When, I, when we played football, and um, Coach Riley was one of the best coaches I ever had. I loved him to death. But you know what? If we didn't win, there was no talking on the bus all the way home. You know, if we went to Mount Pleasant and we didn't win, you don't talk on the way home. But in this race, brethren, everybody wins. Everybody. And here's the thing. <clears throat> it's not such a difficult thing to do that somebody can't do it. Anybody can. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So anybody can do this. Jesus called the prize in Revelation 2 verse 10 again a crown of life. Paul also called it uh, the same thing in 2 Timothy 4 and verse number 8. Where he talked about, you know, uh, henceforth there is laid for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge will give me that day. And not to me only, but to all those who love His appearing. Everybody who's excited to see Jesus return, you're going to get this crown of life, this crown of righteousness. In Titus 1 and verse 2, Paul calls it eternal life. In hope of eternal life, which God, which cannot lie, promised before the world began. What I want us to talk about this morning is, is, is the race that leads to the prize. And I want us to talk about the prize for a moment. You know, many times, if, if you know what the prize is going to be, it makes all the difference in the world. If we're going to have a contest and you're going to say, well, I'm going to give you... And almond joy if you win. Unless I'm really hungry, I could care less if I win or not. But if you say, Johnny, I'm going to give you a brand new four-wheel drive Chevy. Let's run. Let's race. Right? We're ready to go. Because it, it really matters. But y'all, the greatest prize ever is this place called heaven. And people talk about heaven a lot, but how much do people understand? I'm not sure. And I'll be up front. I don't understand everything there is to know about heaven. But when you read the Scripture and you read what heaven's going to be like, it's an amazing place. It is a beautiful place. Heaven is a place of extraordinary beauty. If you have your Bibles, let's go to Revelation chapter 21 if you would. John is describing what he's seen. And as he's seen this, this heaven that God has created, he, he describes it in, in uh, interesting words. And, and I'll just tell you up front, I'm not going to read all these verses because they mention stones here that I don't even know how to pronounce. But I tell you this, they've got to be gorgeous. They've got to be beautiful. In Revelation chapter 21 and verse 18, he says, The building... Oh, the wall of it was of jasper, and the city was pure gold. I know what jasper looks like, and I know what gold looks like, 
likened to clear glass. The foundation of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. And he begins to name all these different kinds of stones that the the walls of the city are built with. Y'all can't imagine how beautiful heaven's going to be. Have you ever been to, to, to somewhere that just kind of took your breath away? Somewhere in our world, in our country? Maybe outside the country? And you're like so amazed at, at, how, at how beautiful it is. I've never been to the Grand Canyon. I don't know that I'll ever make it there, but I've never been. But I've seen pictures of it. But man, just looking at the ocean, that takes your breath away. Jesus created heaven. Didn't he? Didn't he say he was going to prepare us a place? That where he was, that we may come and be with him also, John 14, 1 through 3. One of my teachers years ago with the National School of Preaching, they made this statement. They said, Think about it. God created the, the heavens and the earth in six days, right? Rested on the seventh. How long has Jesus been gone? Jesus has been gone almost 2,000 years. What is heaven going to be like? How beautiful is heaven going to be? And let me just say this. Heaven has enough room for anybody, right? I know there's some groups that teach there's only so many going. Anybody who's obedient to Jesus and obedient to God is going to heaven. I don't care what anybody else says. Because Jesus says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He didn't put any parameters on that other than he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So when you think of heaven, it is a beautiful place. Think about what lights up heaven. I love the moon. The other night the moon was just gorgeous. The way it was kind of peeking through the clouds. You look at the sun, love the sun. But you know what? Heaven doesn't need the sun nor the moon. For the glory of God is a light thereof. You know, we can't totally comprehend. We can't totally understand how beautiful heaven is going to be. But I can tell you this, it will be the most beautiful place that you've ever seen in your entire life. There will be nothing even in comparison to how great heaven is going to be. Heaven's also a place where the terrible things of this life are gone. If you sit back for just a moment and think about what, if there were some things in life that you could take away, what would they be? Would you take away pain? Would you take away sickness? Would you take away tears? Because most of the time when people cry, it's not happy tears. Sometimes it is, but the majority of the time it's not. Would you take away death? The separation? Well, heaven's going to take every bit of that away. In Revelation 21 and verse 4, the Bible says these words. John writing says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. They're gone. You will never have to worry about being in pain again. Because we're going to get this new body. A body that does not hurt. A body that is not broken. Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians 5. 
how that this immortality shall, how this mortal brother shall put on immortality. Amazing. And that's for anybody who wants it. It's going to be a beautiful place. It's going to be a place where all these horrible things of life are gone. It's also a place that's eternal. It's not like you're going to get into heaven and then you're going to be thrown out. Once you're in heaven, you're there. So you do the things that God has asked you to do on this earth, you go to heaven and you're there for eternity. Again, Titus chapter 1 and verse 2, in hope of eternal life which God has promised before which cannot lie, eternal life. Now, how many of us understand what eternity is? I tell you, I don't. I can't comprehend it. I mean, here we are almost at the end of January. Almost at the end. Wasn't Christmas like yesterday? Thanksgiving a couple weeks ago? I mean, it it had passed us so quick, right? But our minds are focused on time. We're so time-oriented. But tell me about eternity. How long is that? You see, in my mind, I've got an end for everything. There's an end to every minute. There's an end to every hour, every day, every week, every month, every year. There's no end to eternity. So this great blessing of being in this most beautiful place where God is a light thereof and and coming out of the throne of of God is this river of, of life. That's clear as crystal. And on either side of it is going to be the tree of life that, that I can eat from and, and live forever. It almost sounds like a fairy tale, but it's not. It's true. And it's there for anybody who wants it. Heaven, and you've heard this, I know you've heard this, so I'm not making I'm not the first one to say it, but heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people, right? It's exactly what it is. It is a prepared place. Jesus said, you know, in John 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He said, I go away to prepare you a place. And if I go and prepare you a place, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. He mentions the word mansion. And I know some versions have changed that to rooms. And that's fine and dandy, but I like the mansion thing. I like to think about I'm getting this mansion from God that God is going to give it to me if I give Him my life here. You see, that's the thing. Jesus has went and prepared this place and it's for a prepared people. In Matthew chapter 25, verses 1-13, through there's a parable that's told. Jesus talks about the ten virgins. And He talks about how that five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. Well, they kind of slumbered around and slept and all of a sudden the bridegroom's coming and everybody gets up and they start trimming their lamps. Well, some of them are not ready. They didn't have the oil that they needed. So they go. the, the foolish virgins go to the wise virgins and say, listen, can we borrow some of your oil? And they're like, no, not. we can't let you borrow any of our oil because we might run out ourselves. You know, we've got just enough for us. So you've got to go and find some oil. So they leave and as they're gone to buy more oil, all of a sudden the bridegroom comes. And those who are ready enter into the bride chamber with them and the doors are shut. The foolish virgins come back and they start knocking on the door and, and they say, hey, Jesus or Lord, let us in. He's like, I don't know who you are. 
Why? You weren't ready. Let me say this. You're not going to accidentally get to heaven. Okay? You've got to make an effort. You've got to be willing to, to put the effort into to being a Christian and obeying God. You have to do your part. But what in life is every that the work that we ever get is not worth working for? Everything costs you something. Well, heaven's going to cost you your humility, humbling yourself, and becoming obedient unto God. Heaven's a prepared place for prepared people. In Matthew chapter twenty-five, as well. At the end of that chapter, Jesus begins to talk about how that uh, at the end, He's going to separate the sheep from the goats. And y'all, this, this story that He tells is not just a story. He is really talking about what's going to happen at the end of time. And, and He talks about in verse 31, "...when the Son of Man shall come in His glory." And all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be brought all nations. He shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats. He shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. Now I want you to notice what he says here. He talks about putting the sheep on the right hand. And notice what he says to them. Then shall the king, in verse 34, say unto them on the right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, and there is the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, you gave me meat. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick and in prison, and you visited me. Uh, and, and you, I'm sorry, I was in prison. You came unto me. Then shall the righteous say unto him, Lord, when we see you in any of these conditions, in verse 40, the king answered, Inasmuch as you have done to the one of the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. I think sometimes in our minds we have this idea that being a Christian is so far up here that we can't reach it, that we can't do it. See what he says? I was sick and you visited me. I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was in prison and you came to me. Most definitely, heaven is not something that's out of anybody's reach. Anybody can do it. You just got to be willing. You got to be willing to become obedient to Him. The book of life that Jesus talked about in Revelation chapter 20, how that everybody's going to come before Him and, and He's going to go through the book of life. If your name's written in the book of life, you get to go to heaven. If it's not, you're lost. Why wouldn't you want your name there? Why wouldn't you want your name in the book of life? And I tell you, you can come up with all kinds of excuses. I have. I can. I, and, you know, I can come up with an excuse for anything. But it don't. It, it, it's not worth it. It's not a reason. It's an excuse. This place called heaven, which is God has promised to those that love Him, this place of eternal beauty that that has no more pain and no more crying and no more tear, no, no, no more death. No, I hate death. I hate to go to a funeral home. 
I hate when I'm losing somebody that I love and I care so much about. And, and, and I know, thankfully, the majority of people that I've lost are Christians and I know that they're going on to a better place. But I still hate it. Selfishness on my part. But I tell you, one day, I've got to make a decision. One day I've got to make a decision about Jesus. Heaven definitely is a prepared place for prepared people and it's for those people who have given themselves to God. My question this morning for all of us is do we really want to go to heaven? Do we really want to go to heaven? Do we really want to go and be with God for all of eternity? Because if we do, we've got to make preparation here. You have to. It's not just going to happen. May I encourage each and every person that's here today, start reading this book. And you may say, John, I don't understand everything. You don't have to understand everything. But God wrote this book for you. The Holy Spirit directed men of God to write these words for you. This is your plan, your plan to God. You know, we talk about the plan of salvation. Well, the plan of salvation is revealed in here. If it wasn't for this, we wouldn't have a clue. But heaven is the place that God's prepared for those who are righteous, those who have become obedient to Him. Where do you stand this morning? I encourage you, if you're not a Christian, obey the gospel today. Get involved in the race. The race that leads to everlasting life. If you never obeyed the gospel, you must believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Do you believe that? You wouldn't be here today if you didn't. Would you be willing today to repent of your sins? Say, I, I want to be, do different. I want to turn around. I want to be what God wants me to be. I want to be the person that He's calling me to be. Would you not turn this morning from that? Would you be willing today to confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God before men? He says, if you do that, I'll, do, I'll confess you before my Father which is in heaven. And this morning, would you be willing to submit to the watery grave of baptism? Man, it's such a simple act. But it represents the death, the burial, resurrection of Christ because you die to your sins, you are buried in a watery grave of baptism, you're raised to walk in newness of life, and God adds you to the church. If you've never done that, why not do that today? Because then you start your Christian race. If you wandered away from the fold of God, you have let other things come in between you and He, like Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, <clears throat> lay aside that weight. Because you need to be looking unto Jesus who is the author and finisher of your faith. If you're not, if you've kind of fallen aside, come back. It's not a one-time and done deal. God is allowing you come back any time. If we can pray with you and pray for you this morning and have you restored back to the fold, what a wonderful thing. Y'all, heaven is a beautiful place. Are you prepared for it? If not, if you if we can help you, please come as we stand and see. <clears throat> and